Welcome back, Crime Fanatics. This is Kat. And I'm Steph, and you're listening to episode two of True Crime Project Podcast. Today, we, we are going to dive into our first hometown crime. Kat will be delving into a case that was far too close for comfort. That's right. But before we can get started, I want to remind everybody, go follow us on Instagram. Steph will post all related pictures to the episode on our Instagram. She's my Instagrammer bitch since I don't really do Instagram. Basically, she runs Insta and I run Twitter. And while I'm mentioning it, please go follow us on Twitter. Remember, you can tweet us any cases you want to hear on the podcast or email us at truecrimeprojectpodbod at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be murder. It can be a crazy off-the-wall crime of any kind or any unsolved case that you'd like to get some attention on. Send it to us. Since we are taking care of some orders of business here, I just wanted to mention how important sites like Murderpedia are. It's such a cool and awesome source. We use it a lot. So shout out to Murderpedia. And if anybody has a couple extra bucks, please donate to them to keep it around. If you haven't checked out Murderpedia yet and you're a crime fanatic, what are you even doing with your life? Seriously, though. Also, if you're still listening because you actually enjoy our podcast, and not just because you use podcasts to fall asleep, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Actually, even if you use us for nap time, go leave a review. The more reviews, the more we will be seen, and please and thank you. (laughs) I listen to so many podcasts. I'm just curious. Right now, I think Morbid is probably my favorite podcast. The girl Elena and Ash over there are awesome. And maybe because it's the only podcast I'm not quite caught up on yet that I can just binge it right now. Steph, what are you listening to right now? Um, I am all caught up on the podcast that I listen to regularly. But I listen to Crime Junkies, Morbid, A Shot of Crime. Um, there, I feel like there's another one. Um, True Crime All the Time. And I, think- Ooh, I have not listened to that one. So I do listen to my favorite murder, and but I've been all caught up on that one for a while. So now it's like the ugh, every like once a week I get an episode. But so they released a book called Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. And I'm actually reading that right now. And I recommend it to any of our listeners. If you if you like the hilarious girls over at My Favorite Murder, definitely check out their book. Um, It kind of gets into some of their, I would say, mental health, not issues, but things that they've gone through in life and just how they deal and therapy and a lot of stuff. It's a really interesting book, and those girls are hilarious, so I highly recommend it. Um, Another podcast that that I personally loved, um, it is a little bit more, uh, it's not the funny podcast, but cold, um, which covered the Powell's. Have you ever, do you know the Powell case, Susan Powell and disgusting Joshua Powell stuff? Um, I feel like I do, but it's not ringing a bell. Like, oh, right God. okay. So if you knew who they were, you would definitely, I mean, you maybe heard an episode on them, but it probably wasn't as like huge of a deal. We'll probably do an episode or maybe a two parter on it because it's, there's just so much to cover on the Powells, but Cold is, a, is I think, an 18-episode podcast of, done by a journalist that did, I mean, he covered everything, and it's a little more technical, 
of a podcast and maybe a little less of the humorous that I enjoy usually, but it was good. I recommend it, even though it's a kind of a terrifying case, but <laughs> is it going to make me sleep with one eye open? No, um, no, it's a very, it's a really sad case. Oh, it's a, I'll say a family annihilator basically. Okay. So yeah, but, and there's a ton of documentaries and such on, on demand. So if you, if you on demand Susan Powell, you can find probably, I've seen at least two. I'm trying to remember if they were A and E or Dateline or I think they've pretty much all done it at this point. So I feel like I should okay. know what it is. <laughs> you, you, you might, you might've just heard a short, a short podcast episode on, on it. I'm trying to remember who's done it. I know. I know I've heard a podcast episode on them, but I feel like it wasn't a big deal. Like I feel the case is, but how long ago did it take place? Uh, uh, um, it took place over a few years, the different pieces of the case. Um, I feel like it ended in like 2012, but don't quote me on that. Where? Like, <laughs> that seems to, yeah, maybe 2012. What state did it take place Maybe in? Maybe 2011, somewhere in there. It was the, like, last awfulness of that case. But anyways, I don't want to blow it for you. I want you to get the full effect of horribleness. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I have to uh, remember it, I think you should have to let that stew in your brain as well. I mean, I think I recall a few years ago telling you to read a book that absolutely absolutely destroyed your soul. And oh yeah. It, I don't even oh, remember. Oh god, I wish I could remember which one it was. <laughs> um, I think I like ugly cried throughout the entire book and you were so pissed at me for making you read it. Was it Brightside? No, it wasn't Brightside cuz you're the one that told me to read that. Um <laughs> So, Steph and I have this thing where we're like Oh my god, I read this book. It made me cry for three days. Here, you read it. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanna I feel like I wanna say it's like when it rains or something like that. Oh, that may very well be. I cried a lot for that one too. That that's a good possibility. I was just thinking of Yeah, that one was up there. Yeah. So that that could be very well be it. I think I have that one in paperback now too, actually. <laughs> I have bright side signed. I did it as well. My husband ordered it for me. He's good. He's good like that. <laughs> Didn't I have a book sent to you for your birthday? All right, guys. Well, let's get into it. But before I get started, I just want to take a moment to apologize to our listeners. This story is a huge bummer. It's the saddest of sad and one of those that just makes you go, why? Now, as I've mentioned here before, I have many hometown murders that come to mind, but of all the ones I have connections to, this is the one that I find the most haunting. I may get emotional because it is close to home. This one is one that comes from my student teaching days. Now, my friend from college would have the honor and misfortune to be placed in the classroom, one away from my own, as a student teacher to one of the victims. My story takes place in 2007 in the town of Glendale Heights, Illinois, which is a suburb about a half an hour outside of the city of Chicago. This is the story of the brutal attack and subsequent murder of Vishav and Om Patel. 
By any measure, Vishav and Om Patel were typical, happy, healthy boys. They were so young. Vishav, the oldest, was only seven years old. His teacher referred to him as a live wire and just a happy little guy. Om, his younger brother, was just four years old. His teacher spoke very fondly of him as well, saying he picked things up quickly and was just getting the hang of writing. He was so excited to write his name, but always wrote Mo instead of Om, which Mm -hmm. I thought was adorable and also heartbreaking. Oh, it's so cute. Both boys were absolutely adorable and full of life. Again, you can see all the pictures related to the podcast on our Instagram. Vishav and Om were just the sweetest babies, and I mean babies. They hadn't even had a chance in life yet. While I don't have much memory of Vishav, I do remember much of what transpired after and the feelings of shock and sadness that were overwhelming. I'm certain it was this way for the entire teaching staff, as you never expect something so awful to happen to one of your kids. In order to get a better idea of Vishav's personality, I asked my college friend recently what she remembered of him in her classroom. She said he was well-liked by everyone. He wasn't an overly outgoing child. Rather, he was quiet, but not in an isolated way. He kind of just got along with everyone, which made it even harder for the entire class when one day their friend was just gone. The family had just moved into their Glendale Heights home the previous summer. They seemed to settle in well. Moreover, the boy's teacher remembered their father as a doting dad who always picked up his pint-sized boys from school, and the children always seemed genuinely excited to see him. Neither the seasoned mentor teacher nor the student teacher had any indication from Vishiv or their interactions with mom, Nisha, at conferences that their home life might be turbulent, for lack of a better term. Though it could be that coming from a culturally conservative background, mom wouldn't or maybe even felt like she couldn't divulge any grievances she had with her husband, Kaushik. Did other people in their lives, family, friends, or people from their place of worship know that there was mounting tension in this family? Now, wait a second. That's definitely, yeah. I have a question. So are they, like, what country are they from originally? So... The family's last name is Fatal. They are Indian, and they're, I don't want to mess this up, but their native language um, that dad spoke mostly was Gujarati, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Because, like, with what I do with being a barber, like, the men come in, but when the women come in with their husbands or their kids, they are very, very quiet. I really feel like they're not allowed to have an opinion on anything like the men really run those relationships well and here's the thing with this family as well so um i don't know that i wrote it down anywhere but i do remember they he had actually immigrated here um before they had kids but when they were married and then it took two years to bring his wife over here as well so they hadn't been here very long so i'm sure they were more under traditional Indian customs than they were Americanized customs. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that that even has anything to do with any of this, but I feel like any in any relationship, any domestic abuse relationship, women don't necessarily come forward anyways. It's, right. it's an embarrassing thing for women. It's 
it's just a very hard thing to tell people, to admit to people, to ask for help. So especially then when you combine that with a family who's culturally conservative and the women are not as outspoken, I think it's just even more likely that she's not going to tell people there's there's something wrong in my home, you know, like I need help. So, yeah. Right. <clears throat> Um, where was I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely. I welcome it. Um, so maybe their family or friends had some inkling, but as far as the boys' school life, nobody had any idea exactly how wrong things were about to go for this family. <sighs> Brace yourselves. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully geez. I can make it through this part. Don't make me cry. On the night of, <laughs> on the night of November 17th, 2007, Kaushik, the father, uh, the boy's father, took the boys to get some new Matchbox cars. Seemingly a normal, sweet treat for his sons. But that wasn't the only errand Kaushik ran that night. Mom Nisha was out of the house, and upon returning home, Kaushik told the boys... They were to get in the tub for bath time. I'm sure this was a part, this was part, this part was something that dad and the kids had done a million times before, but tonight wasn't any other night. Once the boys were in the tub, he doused them with gasoline, which he had also purchased the night when he stopped to buy the boys some candy. Moments later, he used a lighter to set them all ablaze. What the fuck? In some of young Vishiv's last words, according to his mother, he explained from his hospital bed, Daddy poured something over them, and he knew it was not water. It burned his eyes as it was poured over him. Nisha said, Vishiv then said, Dad stood up with the lighter. He heard some noise, and him and his brother were hurt. Mm. Imagining this poor baby going through this and then trying to have to explain it makes me physically ill. And filled with feelings that really anger just don't even cover. Um, I mean, this wasn't some stranger. This was someone the boys trusted. Someone they loved. And he literally destroyed them as if they were nothing. I just don't but understand. These, I, I mean, I don't think you ever can understand what the hell would possibly... Unless they tell you, but what was going through someone's mind that they thought that was the solution. Right. Um, are you crying or are you sniffing? No, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, maybe both, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, both of these kids deserved so much better from the man they looked up to, you know. After lighting the boys and himself on fire, Kaushik must have had some minuscule amount of remorse because he then put both boys, badly burned, into the car, the family's car, and drove them to his brother's house a town over, which is kind of insane to me because he was also pretty badly burned. It might be the one decent human thing he did that night. If he's running on adrenaline too, though, like it probably wouldn't hurt at that moment. Because of the adrenaline, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I don't know either. I steam burn my hand on something out of the microwave, and it hurts for days. I can't imagine <laughs> that, he, like, I mean, the kids especially, but he was really badly burned as well. So maybe he's running on adrenaline so he doesn't feel it. But I can't imagine being severely burned all over your body and picking up two kids and putting them in the car, like, and driving a town over consciously. It's The, the whole scene is insanity to me i can't even really wrap my head around it and i bet kaushik's brother couldn't either because that's where he drove he arrived to his brother's house with two unclothed crying and badly hurt kids so his brother thank god called 911 immediately the police report later noted that the car seats were covered in hair blood, and charred material. (sighs) One of the responding detectives said he's never seen anything like it before. When they went back to the Patel's house where the fire had actually occurred, they realized that the smoke detectors had been disconnected. Mm. So, mm -hmm. Um, afterward, neither boy was expected to survive. Ohm suffered second and third degree burns over 80% of his body. Bishop was even worse off. He had um, burns over 90% of his body after the attack. They were kept in medically induced comas with the hopes of reducing the chances of fever and infections. Both boys seemed to hold on for a while. Ohm, the younger brother, passed away two months later on January 17th. Even though he was the more badly injured of the two, Bishop was a fighter. Doctors even attempted to do some skin grafts for him. They were able to take Vishiv out of a coma and remove the tubes from his throat. This is when they were able to get the statement that I read earlier from him about what had actually happened that night. Unfortunately, on February 19th, Vishiv Patel also succumbed to his injuries as well. Now, Kaushik had burns to 65% of his body, but unfortunately for everyone, he survived. And his mugshot is actually, I mean, it's terrifying. It's absolutely positively the most horrifying mugshot I've ever seen. I agree which, with you. Did you look at the, did I, I think I sent it to you. Yeah. Um, I don't think we will post that to Instagram. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I think we should. We shouldn't hold back. Just because it's Well, terrifying. I feel like if people want nightmares, they can look it up on Murderpedia. <laughs> it kind of... They, on Murderpedia, there's actually like a progression of mugshots of him as he healed over the years. There's actually a recent one, which just when I was looking up the research, I realized that there was a newly one added. But... <sighs> Well, maybe we'll post it. We'll think on that. (laughs) Put a pin in that for now. I mean, so I remember at the time hearing that the father had survived in the days following and honestly just wishing that he had died. I don't know if that's good or bad or that's what that says about me, but mostly just because I wanted to know that that kind of evil, that awful monster of a human was no longer on the same earth as me. You know, I mean... Who does that to their own kids as the solution to anything? 
Well, I mean, why so, did oh. Ronald Clark O'Brien poison his son? You know? He's a sick piece of shit that wanted some money, but, I mean, what is the pay? Like, so, the rumors that I heard at the time, now here's the thing, is a lot of what I learned from this story outside of articles was things that I had heard from word of mouth, and you know how that goes. Right. Um, and he never, at least to the police, gave a reason for why he did it. But what I had heard at the time was that he had wanted to hurt her as much as possible by taking her kids away. Mm. So is that true? Or did somebody just spread that? I don't know. In his first interview after the murders at the jail where he was being held, he said that he only intended to kill himself and didn't understand why he was incarcerated. In a quote from that interview, he claims, this is not murder. I tried to kill myself. I mean, I call bullshit. Yeah. Now, while I don't advocate suicide, I've lost a friend to suicide. It's awful. It's horrendous. And it hurts everyone around you. But I will say in a case like this, if you feel the need to harm others around you, especially small, helpless children, please seek help. And if nothing else, don't take anyone else with you. Right. In this case, I don't believe it was suicide for a second. This was a clear homicide attempt where it seems he may have also been trying to kill himself or he's just a bumbling idiot who doesn't understand how gas and fire work. So he accidentally got hurt while carrying out his maniacal plan. Kaushik, however, claims that he was trying to kill himself because he was overwhelmed with difficulties in his marriage ever since his mother-in-law came to the States to live with them. In the same jailhouse interview, he claimed, if I sat at home, I was a problem. If I went out, I was a problem, Patel said, calling their treatment harassment. According to Kaushik, his wife had become critical of his every move after she arrived. I mean, boo freaking who? Right. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a marriage to me. I, I, now, I don't discount that in-laws can get on your nerves. I mean, especially if they're living with you. Yeah. I also agree that they can cause some strife within a marriage. But I can't wrap my head around the idea that this was enough for him to want to kill himself or that this alone was why he decided to murder two innocent children. However, at the time, I remember the rumors around town about this story. The word that was that Kaushik had believed his wife was going to leave him or that he, um, that she had even told him she was going to leave him. Uh, I did see in an article that um, there had been a domestic call to their house the Friday before but that no one was arrested and that everything seemed fine. So who knows what was really going on at that point. And actually I had never seen that in any of the other articles. So there must, I I mean, I don't know if it's even true. I would assume. Um, So it may or may not be true that she was going to leave him. But for me, it's more logical reasoning based on the bazillion stories I've read on family, family annihilators. I mean, can we just agree that they're the worst kind of murderers, too? 
Yeah, Family Annihilators, they they really get me. Because, you know, like, Ronald Clark O'Brien. Like, did he destroy his entire family by killing them all? No. Well, he was he was trying to kill both kids, though. But he, he didn't. Okay, so maybe that's a bad example. Chris Watts. Oh, it, yep. You know? The worst of the worst. Right. Fucking put his babies in an oil tank. Like, in the older one, I can't remember what the older one's name is, but I'm pretty sure that her last words to him were, no, don't, daddy, or something along those lines. But I just don't get what provokes a person to murder their entire family. Like, I just don't get it at all. Yeah, I really can't either. I mean... It, it, I don't think anybody can ever make sense of it. There is no reason great enough to actually do something like that. That's never a solution. It fixes nothing. No, it makes more problems. So, 100%. Um, I mean, and here's the thing. They're the scum of the earth. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> With these cases, in my experience, I feel like it's always one of three things. One, money. We saw that with Ronald Clark O'Brien. Right. Two, the murderer has a new girlfriend or boyfriend, which is seems to be pretty often these days when I see one like that. Or three, the murderer believes their spouse is going to leave them or divorce them. Now, being a true crime fanatic, this just seems the most feasible to me. Of course, none of it makes any of it okay. Kaushik Patel is still a goddamn monster. But Kaushik's ridiculous recount of the events went like this. So on the day of the fire, he said he bathed the boys, then told them to dress themselves while he showered. He took the gasoline and the lighter into the bathroom as he doused himself with the gas, Patel said his boys ran into the bathroom and he accidentally doused them from head to toe with at least half a gallon of gas. I'm sorry, I wish what? I could have been... <laughs> accidentally. Accidentally doused them with half a gallon of gas. That's like I accidentally sat down and ate an entire container of Reese Pumpkins. Uh, yeah, I accidentally ate the entire cake that I made today. I mean, I didn't, but it might happen after this podcast. I'm, I'm in my feels and might need some cake after this. I mean, I could get down for some cake right after this episode, too. Yeah, it's fun, funny. My kids made me make it, and it's really good. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for this interview. Like, I'm sorry, you were just going to kill yourself by exploding yourself in the bathroom? You didn't lock the door. You could have burned the entirety of the house down, and your children are in the house, and no one else is there to help get them out. So if your story made any sense at all, which doesn't because it's complete and utter bukkake, you still were being super negligent at the very least. And would have been charged with aggravated arson, especially knowing that someone disabled the smoke detectors. Right. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Mattel claims he did not intend to set the boys on fire and didn't remember using the lighter. I mean, 
How do you not remember using the lighter? I I mean, he might not remember anything because he was in like a crazy, who knows? And he also he was burned pretty badly. Like he's clearly having some kind of episode. I don't know. Maybe his brain's blocking out the horrible thing he did, or he's full of shit. That's probably the more likely answer, but it could be any number of things. <laughs> so what he said was, if I wanted to burn the kids, wouldn't I have put more gasoline on them? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And so, like, half a gallon isn't enough. Like, how much is enough? What What is how much gasoline is it before we then know, oh, he meant to do that? <laughs> I mean, I just can't. I just can't with this guy. <sighs> Originally, Kaushik did plead guilty after everything, but his first plea was denied because the prosecutors were hoping for the death penalty. And I mean, I'm sure everybody else was as well, including mm-hmm. I think the wife had said she was hoping for an end to this as well. But in the end, Kaushik Patel was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Parole. Or parole, if you're, like, French or something. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) The judge who presided over the case made a statement at the end of the trial in which she wanted to make Patel's fate clear. You have no possibility of ever leaving prison. You will die in prison, Judge Cresswell said. And good for fucking her. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) When it happened, I remember wishing he had died. I would have gladly voted for the death penalty. I do feel slightly different all these years later. Not that I wouldn't be okay with zapping him with some electricity or shooting some poison in his veins. But honestly, after all this time has passed, there's something satisfying about knowing that he's being made to live in a dank cell in a prison where he can think about the atrocity he committed every single day and look at himself in the mirror and see the awful, disgusting scars of the shit that he did. Even though it doesn't fix anything, it'll never bring those two little beautiful boys back. There is something nice about knowing that he will never leave prison and he has to actually live with it, which is probably it's probably the easy way out to give him the death penalty and have him not ever have to sit with himself i feel like people who commit crimes against kids have to be like kept away from like the general population because don't most like criminals with crimes against kids either have like the same stuff done to them in prison like yeah, but I'm kind of okay with that, too. I mean, I'm Maybe okay I'm with that, for sure. <laughs> but I am a monster, too. But, like, if he's <laughs> raped by Bubba in prison every single day, I'm totally fine with that. Oh, God, don't don't say Bubba, because that's what I call the baby. Oh, I call my son that, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. And I mean, I can't imagine what Nisha Patel must have gone through. Her entire family was there one day and gone the next in such an awful, terrible way. How does somebody even move on from something like that? I did read in an article that 
when it first happened, she actually had gone a couple times. He said that she had gone to visit him a couple times in the hospital and just would over and over say how horrible it is and how wrong it is. And I'm not sure that if I was her, I could have even gone to visit him without ending up in prison myself. I mean, I don't know. I was happy to hear she did manage to pull herself through all of the heartache and is now remarried with children. Oh, and I wish her, yeah, I wish her all the good in life. I mean, after all the tragedy she survived, I wish her nothing but happiness. I don't know that I would be able to have more kids after that. Um, I don't know that I would trust anybody with my kids after that. I'd uh, probably never let a child out of my sight again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> well, ladies and gents, that is the story of the murders of Vishiv and Om Patel. Thanks for breaking my heart tonight. I know. I'm sorry. It's all your fault. But it's one that I have a lot that I'll get through (laughs) (laughs) Um, as we go on. And I'm excited to hear yours next week from your local story. But it's just one that sticks out in my head, obviously, because it's so horrific. Right. Um, And it's just one that it was actually the second death of a student that I'd had just during student teaching time. Um, I feel like student teaching was pretty uh, uh, rough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could teach 35 years and never have a student pass away. And this was the second time. Vishu wasn't in my own class. He was just a classroom away. But... Uh, I'll tell this one really quickly. Anyways, so when I was student teaching up in Milwaukee, this was a separate um, placement. Thank God, because that would be horrible if it was the same school. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> um, but I was doing some hours for special education. I was working in a three through five pullout class and just doing some hours there. And I went home for spring break, and when I was home for spring break, my mom had called me and said, hey, there's two little boys, they're missing in Milwaukee, is it any of your kids? And I just kind of brushed it off, because I'm like, it can't, it's impossible, it can't be one of my kids. So a couple days later, um, I'm driving back into Milwaukee after spring break, and I'm stopped at a red light, and there's a car stopped next to me, and on the window is a missing poster for the two little boys that are missing with their pictures. And of course, one of them was one of my students. And that was pretty rough as well. The two little boys disappeared and for a month I had nightmares because I thought someone had just walked off with one of my students that nobody knew where he was. The two boys had been playing basketball and um, it was cold out. This was in March, so it's still up in Milwaukee, cold and some ice snowing again. And it took about a month before they found the two boys. And I was pretty messed up about it for a little while because 
I mean, before I found out what happened. So they did end up finding the two boys, and they actually, it's still awful, they had both drowned. They think that one of them definitely couldn't swim, and they think that he had dropped the ball or knocked the ball into the water, and the other boy probably tried to help him, and they both ended up drowning. Oh. And I know. And as awful as it is the month before that just thinking like did somebody take my kid where is he is he being tortured like did someone murder like what is where is he so when I found out what happened as awful of a thing as it still is it's unbearable especially for the parents especially for missing them for an entire month but to know that at least they weren't being tortured they weren't right. like nobody took them it wasn't anything sinister or like along those lines so but it was still pretty pretty rough <laughs> so yeah student teaching was doesn't yeah. seem like something you should go back into <laughs> i mean <laughs> i don't know well so for those of you that don't know i did used to teach i've taught everything kindergarten through eighth grade but when I had my own kids, I actually had left teaching uh, about a year and a half previous for a business job that just kind of fell into my lab. Um, but I have been working part-time jobs and like nannying and such ever since having my own kids so that I could keep an eye on them, probably because I'm a crime fanatic who is afraid of every human that's not myself and don't want to leave my kids with <laughs> So... Um, but I don't honestly know if I'll go back into teaching. It's a very rewarding career. It's also very heartbreaking at times. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what my future holds, but we'll see. Not teaching. <laughs> it could. I don't know. I mean, a, part, a huge part of me does miss it. And it's part of why I probably enjoy the stuff that my I do with my kids school-wise, but right. I don't know. I don't know what what my future holds. <laughs> Let me know. You guys, tweet me <laughs> or email us. What should Kat do with her life? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you decide. This is a choose-your-own-adventure. You let me know what I'm going to do with my life, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I needed that little chuckle after the... Ugh. But so if you are listening, please go leave us a review <laughs> or just tweet us and tell us that you don't hate us, hopefully. So or if you've had a similar experience or if we royally fucked up a detail somewhere and you'd like to tell us about it, feel free. My ears are open. <laughs> if we do ever like butcher anything or unknowingly make a mistake with something that we say with our research, just email us, let us know, and we will make a correction on on a, a future Maybe. effort. If we feel episode. like it, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I will. I'll admit yeah. that I was wrong, but Kat won't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not true. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. 
All right, crime fanatics. Well, it's been a rough one, and I'm sorry, but I had to get this one out, and maybe I'll choose a more lighthearted one for my next one. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe I'll rip your heart out again. You never know. Yeah, it could go either way. (sighs) All right. Well, everyone have a wonderful night, and stay safe, everybody. Don't do anything stupid. Bye.